Welcome to The View from the Top. I'm your host, Ola Sage. On this podcast, I have the opportunity to speak with leaders of small and medium-sized businesses who own, operate, and support U.S. critical infrastructure. I'll get their insights on a lot of things, who they are, what their companies do, and of course, their view from the top. We've all read and heard a number of stories in the news recently about attacks on critical infrastructure, whether it's cyber attacks on enterprise software, the power outages after the winter storm in Texas, or the attempt, thankfully unsuccessful attempt, to alter chemicals in the water supply in a city in Florida. I'll also get their thoughts on the challenges they've experienced, lessons learned, and opportunities they see ahead. Today, I'm delighted to have as our guest, Jacque Henderson, who is the founder and CEO of Square Peg Technologies. Welcome, Jacque. Hola, thank you. I am so excited. I've been looking forward to this opportunity. It's Black History Month, and you are my very first guest. So I thought I would just start with having you tell our audience a little bit about yourself. Like, how did you become the leader of Square Peg? Well, thank you. I really appreciate you having me on. Especially, I feel like I'm the first person on the on your podcast, so I feel honored. So, a little bit about myself. I am. I live in Washington D.C. and I'm the founder, CEO of Square Peg Technologies, and I claim to be a Floridian. So, yes, insert Florida man joke. <laughs> but um, I grew up very much in a military family. Um, Mom moved around a whole lot as a kid, and I, of course, followed in suit. And to be honest, I never thought that I'd be a business owner, right? It just wasn't really something that I was, I really thought of, right? I mean, I grew up a lot of military bases, and uh, what I wanted to be was what I saw. Right? I saw people who walked around in, in uniform, and I thought it was cool. But, you know, as I finished college and ended up getting, um, I went to school at Florida State University, go Knowles, and... I ended up getting engineering degrees and opportunities started happening one after another. And I saw an opportunity to start my own business. I ended up working uh, in the federal contracting space. That's sad to say, but also excited to say that the federal contracting space, that's, that's all I've done in my career, right? It's, it's, mm-hmm. And it's not something you look at it when you're in college, especially down in Florida, say, hey, look, I want to be a federal contractor. No, I want to be, no, it's not what people do. But, you know, I, I, I finished school at Florida State. I got my master's and bachelor's in industrial engineering and then moved up to D.C. because that's where my parents were at the time. Okay. They told me, hey, look, you'll get a job. You have engineering degrees. And it wasn't long before I got a job. And, and first job, congratulations. I'm a federal contractor. And Fast forward some years, I ended up working for larger firms. I think the largest firm I, I worked for before I got a taste of small business was uh, Deloitte Consulting. Mm-hmm. It was great, but I got a small, I got a taste of small business. And for those people who are small business owners in the group or who are li- small business listeners, um, it's like once you write that, if you're in technology, once you write that first piece of code and you see what it feels like, you see that magic or or even if you're a creative type, you're an artist, first time you paint a painting and you realize that it really connects with someone, mm-hmm. it's, it's intoxicating. And that's what I felt when I started a small business and I've never looked back. Wow, that is, that is really um, amazing. It's, it's so funny just you know, being a small <clears throat> business owner myself. 
Yeah, you see the opportunity and you pursue it. That's great. So what's the story behind the name, Square Peg Technologies? How'd you come up with that? Now, Ola, that is very, very simple, right? It is exactly what people would think it is. Square peg, round hole, right? And the idea behind that is if you are trying to put a square peg in a round hole, as most people would say, maybe you're looking at the problem the wrong way, Mm. right? Maybe you are trying to do things in a way that aren't supposed to be done that way, right? And that's, that's the attitude that I challenge my people at Square Peg to incorporate when we approach problem solving, right? Uh, if there's a, maybe you need to round that peg, or maybe you need to uh, not have a hole, right? But the idea is approaching that problem with the air of skepticism and much in the same way folks look at the scientific method, right? In science, right? Being a, being a skeptic and looking at ideas from a lot of different places. And a lot of times that method may not work, but that's science, right? That's the basis of science. It doesn't work all the time. But when it works, it really hits home, right? It really hits home. And you, we end up div- <coughs> excuse me, delivering some really, really interesting solutions for our customers. That's why our tagline is peg the problem, shape the solution. Ah, wonder, yeah, because I was curious kind of how you saw that in the area of technology, right? The square peg. Yeah. So yeah, peg the problem, square the solution. Shape the solution. So shape the solution. That's it. You have to shape that peg, right? That's it. Or maybe just get a whole nother tool altogether. Right, right, right. right? But being open to that is mm-hmm. a part of the scientific method and, and challenging your own assumptions, assumptions and biases when, when you're looking at different problems. Wonderful. So tell us a little bit more about Square Peg. Like how long have you been in business and where are you? What do you do? Who do you sell to and what do you sell? Oh man. Wow. How long do we have on this podcast? (laughs) 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 This is it. So uh, things about Square Peg. So first off, Square Peg is, it's more than a small business, right? It's more than just a contracting company. I view Square Peg as a journey. Right. It's a, it's a journey for myself. It's a journey for my employees. And that journey has now been in ongoing for about a little over six years. And it's been fantastic. And we consult the federal government and the national security space and national security, intelligence community, DOD. I mean, basically protecting, you, you, you mentioned critical infrastructure. Those are pieces that are are parts of the critical infrastructure for the United States. And what I really love about this space is, you know, I mentioned being growing up in a military family. I didn't join the military, but I do feel like what I'm doing now, it makes a difference, right? It's, it's defense. I didn't take an oath, right? But I, I did take a side in what I want to do as far as contributing back to society and most importantly, contributing back to the sector that we in in terms of national security. And what was the other question? What do, we, oh, who do we, uh, what do we sell? What do you sell? Mm-hmm. I think, I like to think we sell clarity, right? Clarity and visibility in terms uh-huh. of your assets, right? In terms of your assets, in particular, information assets, not necessarily data, right? A lot of people have data, but unless you architecture your data in a way to where it's useful, that's only when it becomes information, right? 
So for us, it's helping uh, government agencies store their information, prioritize it, view it, or even weaponize it in certain cases. This is the Department of Defense, right? Mm -hmm. But at its core, it is what, what story is your information and your data telling you? And how can you, how, how can you use it to improve your organization? At, at, at its core, that's really, really what it is. How are you using all your information to better position yourself to execute your mission? I want to pull on this thread of critical mm-hmm. infrastructure. So, you know, DHS has uh, identified or they have six, identified 16 critical infrastructure sectors. And, you know, sometimes people will say, well, what does critical infrastructure mean? And the definition that they use are these are sectors whose assets, systems, networks, whether physical or virtual, are considered so vital to the United States that their incapacitation or destruction would have a debilitating effect on security, national economic security, national public health or safety, or any combination thereof. And so these 16 sectors represent everything that, like you talked about, you know, defense industrial base, um, IT, chemical sector, all the things you would imagine, healthcare, financial services, et cetera. There's a whole list of them. So when you think about square peg technology, do you see yourself as a uh, critical infrastructure, small, mid-sized company? Or yeah, tell me just kind of what your thoughts are about that. Oh, 100%. We, we, we play in the critical infrastructure world. I mean, we don't own a part of the critical infrastructure, but we operate it every single day. I mean, we are talking information that must be protected sometimes at the highest levels that are and when you parallel parallel that to critical infrastructure there's there's a there's a connection that 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 is not only made but at the highest levels of the government they realize how critical protecting this information is to uh, to national security and the world and not only that when when you think about the parts of critical infrastructure, especially defense, the defense industrial base, when you're looking at research and development, the global competition for being a leader in technology and delivering products and services, it is a real deal. It's the reason the United States has been able to, to compete at this, at this level for so long. And that's why when you think of research and development, it is such a critical thing, so much so that Square Peg, we recently have been accepted into the, the Space Enterprise Consortium. Now, wow. one of the newest forms of critical infrastructure, yeah. and there may be some debate about this. I don't know what you think, Ola. Maybe you can tell me. Folks are saying that space, the space industry will be a part of the critical infrastructure because when you look at satellites, positioning, yeah. weather for positioning of satellites, um, satellites for defense, satellites for navigation, or even as we further ourselves in space exploration and the longevity of, of the human race itself, then space is absolutely another critical infrastructure that's new in Square Peg. Um, we are participating in that realm with the Space Enterprise Consortium, which is a consortium put on by the United States Air Force and um, United States Spacecom. That way, you know, we're helping to build and uh, prototype the next generation of space technologies. Yeah, I absolutely think it's one of the forces like Army, Navy, right? And so it would likely come under DIP, right? The defense right. industrial base, but absolutely, uh, I would agree that it would be critical infrastructure. So 
So those two sectors would be the primary sectors that your company kind of focuses on providing services to IT and dev? Yeah, 100%. Yes. Okay. Are you aware or connected about the, they call them these sector coordinating councils, where the, the companies that are in these sectors kind of get together and they work in partnership to come up with best practices and take on potential challenges, look ahead to see where there might be opportunities to work together to advance policies that could support them. Do you, are you plugged into any of those? No, but I feel like I, I should know more about this. Could you tell me? Yeah. Tell yeah. More about that? So for example, I mean, the IT sector, for each of these sectors, there's a government function and then a private industry function, right? And so on the government side, they call them the government coordinating councils or the GCCs. And then on the industry side, they're called the industry, the sector coordinating councils. And those two groups make up the sector. So for example, in IT, our, it's called the IT sector coordinating council. And the members for any of these sectors are typically the owners and operators of critical infrastructure. Now, one thing a lot of people don't know is that something like 90% or more of the critical infrastructure in the United States is actually owned and operated by the private sector. Mm -hmm. um, so they're not really government assets. And so the companies that make up these on the industry side are typically the owners and operators of critical infrastructure. And they tend to be the larger companies, right? Mm -hmm. But what we're finding now, particularly mm -hmm. with things like cyber attacks, et cetera, is a lot of these bad actors are using the smaller companies that support these larger companies or who directly support the critical infrastructure functions are also targets, right? So right. one of the things that, you know, in my work, I'm really trying to get more small businesses like yours to kind of be at the table, right? And, and get involved in these conversations because I feel like we're at the tip of the spear, right? And um, a lot of times we don't have, you know, access to a lot of the information or kind of even know about these things. So let me ask you this, what worries you as a leader of SquarePeg, when you think about the fact that you are delivering a service to such a vital kind of function in the United States, what kind of things worry you? What threats do you or do you see ahead? You know, I'm thinking about just you know what we've been reading about in the in the news, whether it was the thing that happened in Florida with water. Thankfully, they caught that, but then this big cyber attack that just happened with solar winds. Or even if we go back years where it was a small HVAC contractor that apparently got compromised and that led to, you know, the larger breach of, uh, I believe it was Target. What worries you? Well, that's a, that's a, that's a really tough question. Um, outside of just realizing that now we are very much in a global competitive market now, right, for a lot of products and services. And I think that having access to even the same internet that we have now, right, will change, right? Because the internet is also, some, some people could say that's critical infrastructure as well, being able to provide that, right? Mm -hmm. Having the world wide web as, as it persists now. But when you look at how countries or even how our own big internet companies now are starting to censor and and restrict what people can say and do over the internet. You even go to some countries 
they're not letting these social platforms operate in their same capacity. So for me, I, I think what worries me both most, well, I won't say most, but what one thing that worries me later would be having a, a, a free and fair and open internet, right? For information sharing and flowing, because that that's the fuel that powers innovation in society and, and fuels um, communication, right? And that communication, that's, that's what all links us together. And when we start segmenting different parts of our internet off, then you become much like some of these countries that are siloed off. I won't name any of their names, but some of these countries where they're so isolated to where they're, they're in an echo chamber, they're only listening to themselves, but we're missing the rest of the world. And unless we start looking at ways to protect the free and fair and open internet as a critical part of the infrastructure, then I think there's, there, could be some, there could be a hard road for us, uh, not only us, but just society as a whole. That's fascinating. So that's kind of on a macro level. But let me bring it down to square pegs. So what, what do you think would threaten your ability to continue to support or survive as you're providing services to these really vital functions in our country? What would be the biggest threat to your company's ability to continue to do that? Because we're seeing it all around. Every, you know, DOD is now coming down with requirements for suppliers to them to because they're concerned about making sure that the supply chain is not compromised and That's right. things like that. So as That's you think right. about your company, what do you think is the biggest threat to your ability to actually be able to continue to deliver these products and services that you do? Right. I'm, I'm glad you, you, you mentioned that, um, especially about the DOD pushing out you know, standards for cybersecurity and security. And I think the biggest threats for us would be mm, perhaps looking at the federal government making such dramatic changes or putting so many restrictions on us being able to, to deliver services that ultimately stifle innovation, right? Wow. Um, and also talent acquisition too, right? as they put out more different standards and guidelines, how do you remain flexible enough to where you're still able to go out and re recruit new and upcoming talent? Because innovation happens fast, right? And oftentimes these policies and guidelines, they, they either are too restrictive in the beginning or they're just struggling to catch up. When they're struggling to catch up, they'll just make it really restrictive to where it's hard to move, right? And when it's hard to move, it makes it a little harder to innovate. And for me, I, I'm a I'm a taxpayer as well, right? I'm a, I'm a taxpayer and I, I would like to make sure that we're, uh, as a society and as a, as a country, we're still getting the quality and products and services that we, we should be getting or should be delivering back to the American people. And I think the, to sum it up, I think my biggest concern would be just making sure that whatever, when they think critical, you know, it may come with policy, it may come with restrictions, but making it flexible enough to where talent acquisition will not be a challenge for us because you're in the tech space and talent acquisition, it's a, it's a really, really hard and tough thing to do. Um, I wanna make sure that we're still able to go out and recruit and retain some of the uh, United States top talent. Yeah. Sometimes people don't wanna work in our space because it's so many rules and regulations. They're going out to the private sector. They wanna go work at Google, Facebook, right? I get it, it's a big, those, those are obviously great companies and what they do and what they offer are pivotal for society, but we need that same top tier talent working on the critical infrastructure and national security matters or 
or else it makes it hard for us to uh, really secure our country. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I hear you on that. It's kind of like, we want the guardrails just so we know kind of where we can operate, but, you know, allow the flexibility for us to innovate. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's, Wonderful. A, it's a tough, it's going to be a tough challenge. Yeah. It's a bit of a juggling act. So as you think about your, I'm going to pivot a little bit now, as you think about your journey as a leader um, of this organization, what are some of the resources that have helped you along the way? You know, whether it's in how to navigate the business world or how to lead your employees or how to work with your customers or how to take on some of these challenges and threats that, you know, that you've been thinking about or talking about. Right, right, right. Well, it's so many, there's, there's not just one thing. There's no just one thing to, to business and there's no one thing to make you be aware of the business world. So I, I tap into a lot of different things. So a podcast, podcasts like this, I live, I live by them. Right. So tell me some of your favorite. Well, since I'm in the data business, right. The data business is all about machine learning and artificial intelligence. My favorite podcast is by this guy named Daniel Fagella, uh, AI and business. It is favorite podcast after this one, right? After this, (laughs) of course, uh, view from the top. (laughs) That's it. And it just talks about folks like myself who are delivering, who are AI and data consultants and how, the industry is shifting in that way and how to be successful in that area. It's, it's a fascinating podcast. And I happen to have built somewhat of an acquaintance with the guy, Daniel. So it's been fantastic. And another one that's really good. I don't know the exact name of it, but it's with Rashida Jones and Bill Gates. Fascinating pair. Rashida Jones, actress, Quincy Jones' daughter, paired with the billionaire Bill Gates. Why in the world would they pair those two together? Well, you got to tune in for the podcast to find out because it is an unlikely pairing that I think that contrast makes it really interesting. It just talks about the worldviews and societal views. And one other podcast is um, I like the space sector, uh, uh, the interstellar uh, podcast, uh, but I believe it's by Bill Nye and some of his crew. Mm-hmm. And it's also fascinating. And, you know, I obviously binge on podcasts, but also I try to read books and people often think that, look, I can't have to sit down and read a whole book. No, um, most researchers, when you think about research and scientists, they rarely read through a whole book, right? They'll read through certain things, certain things that are applicable. You pull those out and you figure out how to apply them. So when I look at different books, I, I look at it from more of an academic approach and figuring out how to distill those different things. And lastly, I am um, iron sharp design, right? Iron sharp design, it's an old adage, but when you put yourself around people who are on the up and up or who are on the same trajectory as you as far as leadership and care about the small business plight or the small business person, then I, recommend, I highly recommend folks go to, to, to a Vistas group. Vistage Group is a, obviously a peer CEO group that is fascinating. And if you get yourself with the right chair, my chair is amazing, then you will propel yourself to the next career. It is an investment, but it's well worth the investment. I hate to tug on it so hard, but I truly believe in the power of the Vistage Group. I truly believe that what the Vistage Group has done for me and what my chair has done for me as well. That is awesome, Jack Way. So, you asked at the top, how long is this podcast going to be? Can you believe we've been talking for, it's been 
over 30 minutes. So all good things, unfortunately, must come to an end. (laughs) No pop culture questions. (laughs) No, but I do. Hey, you know, this this podcast is called View from the Top. So I am going to kind of ask you as we wind down, as you think, as you reflect over the last year, which has been a crazy year, right? COVID and Mm -hmm. economic, you know, uh, disruption and... Oh, political, social unrest, critical infrastructure, you name it. What's your most memorable view Hmm. from your position at the top of your company? Oh, you've been asking some really good questions. And the most memorable thing, I I would say that I'm going to make a play on, on the title here especially my view from the top is that what we're doing now is no different than what folks have been doing for, you know, a few hundred years, right? Granted, I'm in business, you're in business, business has changed. What people are selling has changed technology. We're selling technology, but make no mistake. We're in the people business, Mm -hmm. right? Square Peg Technologies is in the people business, hands down. And what stuck out for me over this disastrous year in 2021 was being able to communicate with people and connect with people. It is essential to the execution of your business. If you can't do that, if you can't connect with your people, then you won't be able to lead them through these tough times. Amen to that. Amen to that. So, Jack Ray, where can our listeners connect with you online? Well, you can find me on LinkedIn, right? I'm active on LinkedIn all the single, every day almost. I'm, I'm on there and connect with me. Uh, send me a, a direct message. We're happy to meet. And you can also find me on Instagram too, Jack Ray Henderson. I'm the only one. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm pretty easy to find. Excellent. And your website? Squarepegtech.com. Wonderful. Well, Jacques, thanks again. This was awesome. Loved the conversation. Loved hearing your thoughts. You know, stay connected. Thank you, Ola. I really appreciate it. This was exciting. I cannot wait to hear all the podcasts. I'm going to binge on them. Seriously. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. We like to hear that. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in today. And we'll see you.